0: You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. Today's
1: scripture reading is in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Please join me. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Good morning, EBF family. Uh, I'm Danielle Allen. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, and I look forward to meeting a lot of you in person as things start to reopen and we start to gather as a church again. I just wanted to wish all of you out there a very happy Mother's Day. I'm very thankful for the mothers that I've already met here at EBF. Thank you for welcoming me and my children and being willing to do life alongside me and them. Um, It's just really important to have those women and that influence in my life. Um, I'm also recognized that today is a day of mixed emotions. I was right there. I spent many years where it was a collision of life's joys and sorrows I wanted to celebrate all the important women in my life, my mother, my grandmothers, um, my sisters. Um, But it was also a day of sorrow where we had longed for a long time to have children and it just didn't seem to be happening. So I'm right there with you. I know how it feels and we are praying for you.
1: We recognize that there is in fact a wide spectrum of motherhood from aspiring mothers to new mothers, expecting mothers, birth mothers, Grieving mothers, um, grandmothers, great-grandmothers. And there are even those that today, again, speaking about that collision of life's joys and sorrows, have maybe lost their mother or grandmother or a mother figure in their life or a child. But there is an opportunity for, for all women to be spiritual mothers, helping to disciple and raise up the next generation. So don't lose sight of that the wonderful opportunity we have within the family of God, within Christ's body, to be spiritual mothers and nurturers to those that are coming up next. We see you, we are with you and for you, but more importantly, God sees, God knows, and he cares. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today grateful for who you are, and Lord, for how you are at work, Lord, we recognize, indeed, the wide spectrum of motherhood, from those who aspire to be mothers to those that have recently become mothers or are soon to be mothers. For, Lord, for those that grieve today, we pray that you would comfort those who mourn. And Lord, also, would we rejoice with those who rejoice. With this Mother's Day, Lord, would you, would you pour out your comfort, your strength, your peace, would your presence be known and felt among every mother? Father, we thank you, Lord, for that precious opportunity to be a spiritual mother and nurturer as well. And so, Lord, we pray that you would equip all of our women, in fact, all of our church, with those gifts of discipling those that come after us, Lord. Holy Spirit, this morning as we turn to the Word, would you illumine your Word? Would you minister to our hearts through your word? And would you remind us of the importance of prayer and all of its consistency and comprehensiveness and to pray in the spirit? And so, Lord, we love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 About the midst of this valley, I perceived the mouth of hell to be, and it stood also hard by the wayside. Now, thought Christian, what shall I do? And ever and anon the flame and smoke would come out in such abundance with sparks and hideous noises, things that cared not for Christian's sword as did Apollyon before, that he was forced to put up his sword and betake himself to another weapon called all prayer. So he cried in my hearing, O Lord, I beseech thee, Deliver my soul. So writes John Bunyan in his masterful work, Pilgrim's Progress, where he memorably describes the supreme weapon that we are to use against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And this weapon he calls all prayer. Inspired by the repetition of the word all in Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying at all times and in all prayer, with all perseverance for all the saints. John Stott points out that most Christians pray sometimes, with some kinds of prayer, with some degree of perseverance, and for some of God's people, But what would it look like to replace the word some with all? We are at the end of Paul's letter to the church in and around Ephesus where he has been emphasizing the unity of the church in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit all according to the plan of God. Because of the cross of Christ, we have cosmic unity with God and collective unity with one another but we face an insidious enemy that would like nothing more than to disrupt the unity of the church and to pick off individual soldiers. And so Paul turns to spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and he does so as a fitting conclusion to this masterful letter. He explores the theme of spiritual warfare in three sections. First, that we be strong in the Lord, verses 10 through 13. Jesus won the ultimate victory over evil on the cross. We endure the battle that remains when we stand firm in the power of his resurrection. The second section is that we put on the armor of God in verses 14 through 17. Stand firm by suiting up with the gospel gear Christ issues. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. How has it been going with that challenge I issued last week to, to prayerfully don the armor of God every morning? And the third section today is that we pray at all times in verses, here in verses 18 through 20. And what we will see is this core truth, that vigilant prayer is foundational for the implementation of the full armor of God and for our readiness in the spiritual battle. The armor of God is rooted in prayer. In fact, prayer is given more space here in the text than any of the sections surrounding the individual pieces of armor. Putting on the armor of God culminates in an attitude of alert and prayerful dependence upon God. Prayer should permeate our lives. As Marcus Barth puts it, nothing less is suggested than that the life and strife of the saints be one great prayer to God, that this prayer be offered in ever new forms, however good or bad the circumstances, and that this prayer not be self-centered, but express the need and hope of all the saints. In our time together this morning, we're going to explore six elements of all prayer. That phrase that John Bunyan uses, six elements of all prayer in verse 18. And then Paul's request specifically for intercessory prayer in verses 19 through 20. So, first of all, these six elements of all prayer in verse 18. Verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The first element of all prayer that we see here is that it is constant, praying at all times. At first glance, the word praying kind of seems like it's dangling out there, but both praying and keep alert are two participles in the Greek text. It might be kind of a fancy word, but basically they are connected with and they qualify the command to stand firm earlier in verse 14. So the sense is something like this, stand firm by putting on the whole armor of God, all the while maintaining a prayerful and alert posture of dependence upon God. Standing firm and praying go hand in hand together like peas and carrots. Praying at all times might sound somewhat confusing at first, although there are echoes of of what Paul has said elsewhere, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, he writes in 1 Thessalonians 5. He was, I think, reiterating the challenging teachings of Christ himself. Christ taught us, it says actually in the beginning of uh, of Luke Luke chapter 18, it says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Prayer is like the soldier's communication system. John Piper puts it this way. He writes, We cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. Life is war. That's not all it is, but it is certainly that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie, for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the Kingdom of Christ advances in the world. I love that quote. My only problem with that statement is him calling a military radio a walkie-talkie. Sounds more like Tommy Boy, but I prefer SYNCGAR, which stands for Single Channel Ground and Airborne Radio System. Uh, Nerd alert. But you get the idea. Prayer is like a wartime radio. And the challenge here for us is that we pray at all times. It's so easy for us to keep our struggles to ourselves or even take them to someone else rather than to God. And to borrow that radio analogy once more, we need to keep the channel open. Keep the channel open, tuned to the heart of God. It is good to devote set times to prayer, yes. But Paul's concern is that prayer would be more of a a habit of life, that it would arise more as an attitude of the, the very heart. As you go throughout the day, and no matter what it is that you experience, keep that channel open. Pray at all times. The second element of all prayer here is that it is Spirit-guided. Look at that phrase there in verse 18. It says, praying in the Spirit. Paul's concern here is that we pray in communion with the Holy Spirit. This is not a reference to Praying in tongues. Instead, this is prayer in the Spirit, that is, that which is Spirit inspired, Spirit energized, Spirit enabled, and Spirit directed. In the book of Ephesians, the Spirit is He who grants us the very access to God in the first place. We are built into God's dwelling place by the Spirit and filled by the Spirit. And Paul prays that the Ephesians would be strengthened with power through His Spirit in their core, in their inner being. Perhaps a similar thought to what Paul expresses here is found in Jude 20 and 21 that says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. John Bunyan, again, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, provides this helpful definition for prayer and weaves into this definition that do, that notion of praying in the holy spirit his definition a little wordy but i love it prayer is a sincere sensible affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to god through christ in the strength and assistance of the holy spirit for such things as god has promised or according to the word of god for the good of the church with submission in faith to the will of God. Church, may we pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is our, it's an admission of our dependence upon God. Romans 8, 26 through 27, Paul writes, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There are longings and aspirations of the heart that we sometimes cannot even put into words. And so we can trust knowing that the Spirit intercedes for us with That phrase, I love that phrase, with groanings too deep for words. Just as the sword in the armor of God is called the sword of the Spirit, so we are to pray in the Spirit. Scripture and prayer should be inseparably linked. They belong together as the two main weapons that God places in our hands. Pray in the Spirit. The third element The third element of all prayer is that it is comprehensive. We see this in the phrase, with all prayer and supplication. The word for prayer here is a more general term that has to do with petition addressed to God, while supplication is maybe a more specific term that is an urgent request to meet a need. But used together highlights various types of prayer. Paul has a tendency to do this. He has a tendency to to pile up terms in order to make a point. And he does so here in highlighting the importance of prayer. These various types of prayer he highlights too in Ephesians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The takeaway is simply this, pray all kinds of prayers. Prayer should not just be wish lists or personal protection, limited to personal protection. We need a deeper understanding of the range of prayer represented in Scripture and to adopt that language in our own prayer. Scripture includes prayers of of praise, of lament, of confession, thanksgiving, obedience, humility, intercession, and more. And so this, is a, this, this takeaway that we pray all kinds of prayers is really saying that we need to pray Scripture more. Personally, I've been learning a great deal more lately about the language of lament, especially in the Psalms. There is value in short prayers like the one Nehemiah gives when it says he prayed to the Lord and answered the king. Set prayers, like those written out in the Valley of Vision, which is a collection of beautiful Puritan prayers. There's value in extemporaneous prayers, as well as praying during certain times of the day. And yes, praying even the Lord's prayer as he taught us to pray. Pray all kinds of prayers. The fourth element of all prayer, Is that it is alert. To that end, keep alert. That phrase, to that end, here is Paul's way of communicating that the purpose of keeping alert is to pray constantly. And the term for alertness here is borrowed once more from the realm of the military. I believe we are meant to hear some of those similarities. And also the similarities with Jesus' own charge to watch and pray watch and pray not only in the face of temptation but also in anticipation of his return in the face of temptation jesus says in mark 20 or matthew 26:41 watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak and as an example of the charge to for watchfulness surrounding or alertness surrounding his return Jesus says in Mark 13, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Church, may we pray alertly. May we not, may we not fall into spiritual complacency or, or relax or let our guard down. Rather than prayer being routine mumblings or having our minds drift, soldiers of Christ should be alert while praying. And closely tied to this is actually the fifth element as well, that of of persistence. All prayer is persistent prayer. We see this through the phrase, with all perseverance. Jesus taught us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I didn't realize until I was this many years old that ask, seek, and knock form an acronym for the word ask, A-S-K. We find persistence though and prayer together again and again in scripture. Perhaps one of the maybe most well-known examples, but maybe most misunderstood examples is the parable of the persistent widow there in Luke 18. I read verse one already, but. I would encourage you actually sometime to go back and reread that whole, whole parable. But the, the gist of it is that a widow keeps coming to a judge over and over again for justice. And he responds, he responds by granting her request, as the text says, or the way that Jesus tells the parable, because this widow keeps bothering me. And if we're not careful, we can take this as if we need to nag God to act. But the point is that this is a how much more type of a comparison. If this human judge responds to the persistence of this widow in this way, how much more does a loving God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give Justice to them speedily, as the rest of Luke 18, 7 and 8 says. The book of Acts also includes examples of this new forming community of disciples devoting themselves to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. Romans 12 verse 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. In Colossians 4.2, actually that whole passage, Colossians 4.2-4 probably is the closest parallel to what we have here in Ephesians 6. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Church, not only should we pray alertly, but we must pray persistently. There's a wonderful story told in a book called Miraculous Movements by Jerry Truesdale who traces the worldwide advancement of the gospel, but particularly among Muslim contexts there in North Africa in particular. And one of the stories he tells about this man who operates his own uh, cart as a taxi and as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a disciple maker himself, he s- makes it a point to ask anyone that gets into his t- taxi how he can be praying for them. And in his battered and and, uh, and and Warren Book, he has noted each one of those prayers, and he himself has seen nearly 900 answers to those prayers. We need a, stir- a certain stick-to-itiveness in our prayer. And it reminds me of those who have prayed for decades for the salvation of a loved one. May we model such prayerful alertness and persistence, even as we pray. The sixth element of all prayer is that of intercessory prayer, making supplication for all the saints, as it says there at the end of verse 18. Paul's emphasis on the unity of the church throughout Ephesians, but here is furthered in the call to pray for all fellow believers. This is also a continuation of the previous warfare imagery, standing together Information and moving together as a unit. All believers are involved in spiritual warfare, both individually and collectively, and we need one another. We need each other's intercession. And so may we pray for all the saints, all of God's holy ones. When we become a follower of Christ, we become part of a new family, the family of God, and we have a responsibility in that family to pray for one another, all the saints, not just the ones that we like, not just the ones that we resonate with, all the saints. The battle should be fought together. And not only, we must not just be concerned about looking out for ourselves. No, we need to be concerned for the entire church and for the victory of everyone as we struggle in the fight together. When you commit to pray for someone, do it. I fear that the the phrase, I'll pray for you, is our modern day equivalent of the phrase, go be warm and well fed. Do you have a plan? Do you have a way of keeping track of who you are praying for and even what you're praying about? One way of doing that, it's not the be all end all, but one way of doing that is, To use note cards, to write a person's name at the top of the card and to write those prayer requests on it, the things that you commit to praying for them. And also to note the ways that you see God follow through, the ways that you see God answer those specific requests. May we commit to praying for all the saints. And this should connect us with also what is happening all over the world with our sisters and brothers, many of whom are facing deep persecution. One tool that we can use that is available to us to pray for the persecuted church is by the voice of the martyrs. There's a particular resource that they have that's called their Global Prayer Guide. I encourage you to to look that up. Maybe even as a family to to weave that into your time of prayer together as a family. May we pray for all the saints. Well, in verses 19 through 20, What Paul does is he follows up with this admonition to pray for all the saints with a prayer request of his own. Paul's request for intercessory prayer there, look at verses 19 through 20. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly. As I ought to speak. Paul, I think, here pushes back on the notion that he is someone that doesn't need prayer or that he doesn't experience fear by himself, by requesting that his fellow believers pray for him. And here in these two verses, there are three kind of interrelated prayer requests that he weaves together. The first is that God would give him the right words when he speaks. This is to know what to say and also how to say it when the right time comes. That parallel passage that I mentioned there in uh, Colossians 4, verses 3 to 4 shed more light on this. It says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I don't know about you, but I find myself convicted by the types of things Paul asks prayer for. When I put them up against maybe some of the things that I routinely ask prayer for, it is certainly a challenging and convicting thing. The second request, though, is that he gives is that God would give him boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That this is, that he would have the courage to share the gospel. That he would effectively, in, in essence, that he would effectively wield the sword of the spirit, the gospel. And that God would shape the message when he speaks, especially before the tribunal. The word boldly, though, here can mean both fearlessness and clarity. So when he uses that word boldly, I think it carries both of those Both of those dynamics. Remember back, though, to this phrase, the mystery of the gospel in Ephesians. God has made known to all believers the mystery of his plan to sum up all things in Christ. Paul's grasp of the mystery is purely by the grace of God. And then this this mystery centers on God's plan to reconcile Jews and Gentiles, even in the many variations of those two categories, Jews and Gentiles, into one multi-ethnic body of Christ. In his prayer request that Paul gives here, it includes a reminder, though, of his current status when he writes, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul was most likely awaiting um, his appearance before the Roman tribunal. He was most likely in prison awaiting that event. And he hoped to bear witness to Caesar himself, the very gospel of Jesus Christ. But we might read or glance right over this phrase without seeing the irony in it. This phrase, an ambassador in chains. Ambassadors were to be received with respect. They were to be honored in the court, even if they came from a hostile nation or a hostile kingdom. Here, Paul is an ambassador of the King of Kings. He represents an unshakable kingdom, but is instead chained in Rome for promoting the gospel of peace. He does not ask that they pray for his release. No, he sees his chains as an opportunity to declare Christ among the highest echelons of Rome. He was more concerned that his mouth would be open than that his wrists would be free. And his desire was that the gospel would be be shared and spread freely rather than he be set free. That third request, which is actually more of a reiteration of sorts, is that he would declare it boldly as he ought. Here is the second use of that word boldly in the short text that means both, both fearlessness as well as clarity. Paul's mission that he expresses in Ephesians 3, verses 8 through 9, is this. He says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. He knew to the core of his being what his mission was. And that is why he was in prison in the first place. What was the result, though, of Paul's request? Most scholars pin that on 2 Timothy 4, verse 17. It says this, But the Lord stood by me, Paul's words, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it so i was rescued from the lion's mouth maybe yet again another reason to make sure that we write down the answers to our prayer, our prayers looking back on god's faithfulness along the way a couple takeaways for us to consider here though in paul's request for intercessory prayer first is that we pray for our leaders Paul wisely knew that he needed strength through prayer to stand firm. He did not have a a go-it-alone kind of mentality, nor did he project an air of having it all together. He showed humility in inviting people into his own struggles, inviting people into his own fears. Leaders should be willing to ask for prayer, should be willing to entrust these longings to others as well. And I'd be remiss if I did not do so myself. Thank you so much for those prayers that you have prayed for me and for my family, for the ministry along the way. But a couple ways you can continue to pray for us. First is for the ongoing nourishment and strengthening of my own soul. That I would sit at Jesus' feet and hear His ways. Second, for the for the leading and for the discipling of my own family. I realize how impressionable my children are and long so much for that day when they will be adopted into God's family. And fourth, for wisdom and vision in continuing to shepherd the flock to lead this church as God would have me. So church, I think also one thing that we can do is ask other leaders in our church how we can be praying for them. That goes a long way. And it's a reminder to us of all those like Aaron and her holding up the arms of Moses of what it means to come alongside one another and help bear one another's burdens. Not only should we pray for our leaders, but let us pray for the bold progress of the gospel. Pray for the breaking down of barriers The spread of the gospel in all places, in our hearts, in our church, in our community, among Northwestern students and beyond. Pray for bold proclamation of the gospel, that this proclamation would be both fearless and clear. And pray that we would represent Christ well, even as his ambassadors, even if that means suffering for it, as we are called to live lives that are worthy of our calling. O church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth we'll stand against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cry is love reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of the nations. Come see the cross where love and mercy meet, as the Son of God is stricken. Then see His foes lie crushed beneath His feet, for the conqueror has risen. And as the stone is rolled away and Christ emerges from the grave, this victory march continues till the day every eye and heart shall see Him. So, Spirit, come. Put strength in every stride. May this be our prayer. So, Spirit, come. Put strength in every stride. Give grace for every hurdle. That we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of his grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day, when with Christ we stand in glory. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, in the next few moments together, what I would love for us to do is to respond in worship and to respond in an extended time of prayer together. So wherever you are and whoever you're with, what we're going to do is put some of these prayer prompts inspired by this very passage up on the screen and to use the next few moments in prayer together, kind of stretching some of those prayer muscles as we engage in constant prayer, in spirit-guided prayer, in alert and persistent and intercessory prayer for one another. Let's do that together.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EVF, subscribe to our podcast, And to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.